Welcome to the Functional Nutrition Podcast with Aaron Holt, Functional Nutritionist. I work with clients on the seacoast of New Hampshire and virtually all over the world through both private consultations and online nutrition programs. I'm here with my co-host, Kyle Mayorana, registered dietitian of Root Down Nutrition based in Asheville, North Carolina. We are both board-certified integrative and functional nutritionists. This means we dive deep with people to get to the root cause of their health issues. In this podcast, we will address all things health, food, and nutrition, discussing our research, clinical experience, and life experience. Please keep in mind our disclaimer, this podcast is created for educational purposes only and should never be used as a replacement for medical diagnosis or medical treatment. Thanks for joining us. Let's dive in. Here we go. Here we go. Art, do you wish you were watching Game of Thrones right now instead of recording this podcast? Okay, so I know that I'm really late to the game. I just started this two weeks ago. I, I'm single. I live alone. I have nothing stopping me. I'm not in school I have, right I have now. I have nothing going on. I have nothing to live on. for except nothing for going on. Jon Snow. Except for Jon Snow. And how do you watch a show like this when it's that good and you have all of the episodes available? Like, how do you temper your use? I don't know. I've just, I'm binging. So I am, I'm on track to uh, finish all seven seasons in three weeks. Uh, <laughs> I mean, 2019 goals, goals, <laughs> killing yeah. it. Watch your blue light consumption. <laughs> nope. You Maybe have no retinas left. You, have, you are no longer producing melatonin. Congratulations. It's fine. It's fine. Uh, good stuff. So we're going to get into listener questions. We put a call out uh, on the Instagram for listener questions, and we got a lot of them. We're going to try to cap this episode at 30 or 40 minutes or so <laughs> because Kyle needs to get back to Jon Snow. Oh, boy. And anyone who like has listened to this podcast for a while knows um, we have started so many episodes being like, this one's just going to be like, you know, we just wanted to touch on some things hour, hour and a half later. We always say that to ourselves. We're like, this is going to be a short one. Always. This is going to be a short one. Always. Um... But we've got some juicy topic. <laughs> I didn't <laughs> even good. mean that pun. That was good. Uh, we got some juicy topic we're going to dive into. So, um, what are you like? What What are you thinking for January 2019? Like, you have like big, big, big hopes and dreams outside of TV. So I'm um, an all or nothing person to a fault. Um, so when I make my intentions, I look at them like as kind of a list, and I'm instantly overwhelmed like I just immediately want to put my head in the sand so what I did this year was um I broke it up into quarters and I was like here's just a couple things I'm going to focus on and give myself a few months and it feels it feels better so nothing huge for this year I tried to keep it um you know like realistic and not overwhelming but yeah I tried to break it up into little chunks so that I didn't look at everything and I'm just not do anything what about you I don't really ha I don't know I'm going in with more of like a mood uh like mm. Dr. Dre circa 20 2001 damn if y'all don't like me, I'm not going to finish that thought because <laughs> yeah. my sweet, sweet, sweet Aunt Patty sometimes listens to this show and she doesn't Hi, need Patty. to hear 
hear that. That's kind of my just like my general mood right now. Like take it or leave it. Move if you don't like it, move on. I'm not changing. I'm here. I'm saying the same old things. We need so much more of that. Not curated, just does it, authentic. Does it come with age? Does that come with age? Because I just like care less. Care less. Like I am not here to make everybody happy. I feel like if if you're trying to make everybody happy, then you're saying nothing of substance. I if you're not ruffling more. feathers, then you're just straight up vanilla and I can't with the vanilla anymore. Yeah. I'm just I'm just done. Um, so that's like where that's like my vibe. I like it. I like it. Um, also, you told me yesterday that I need therapy, so I'll be looking into a therapist. <laughs> yeah. I mean, truth be told, I probably say that to everyone. I'm just like, you know what you need? You need to go to therapy. Uh, truth be told, I need therapy. So You do. You do. Let's just this, call a spade a spade. Yeah, this case was an, a real, like, <laughs> cry out. Erin, <laughs> maybe, maybe 2019 is the year. It's the year. It's the year. Um, all right. So let's get into listener questions. I don't even know why I asked you that question. I was just curious. Uh, uh, just curious. So do you want to read the first question? I love this one. So yours was the, the person who wrote in was um, yours truly Ando. And they said, what's the deal with the celery juice craze? Is it legit? Should I be drinking celery juice every morning? This was the third person that asked me about celery ju- juice in like the matter of two weeks. And I just keep hearing about it more and more. Everybody's yeah. like, what's the deal with celery juice? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jerry. <laughs> I have been killing it lately with my Seinfeld impersonation. It's so good. So good. Uh, so. <laughs> All right. So. First of all, it's like the the celery juice is such a craze right now that stores are selling out of celery. So nobody can make chicken soup anymore because <laughs> because everyone's pounding celery juice, which stinks if you really like to put celery in your chicken soup, which I do. Um, it all came about by from the medical medium, but he like was talking about this, blogging about this, writing his books about this years ago. I have three of his books. I was gifted them. Two of his books, maybe? I was gifted them. And I mean, his whole jam is celery juice. He put celery juice on the map. Um, And I don't know what the recent uptick in popularity is. I don't know why it's like blowing up so hardcore right now. I don't Maybe he just got like a real good marketing team that just pushed his stuff more. I really don't know. Um, I'm going to talk through a little bit. I've done the celery juice thing. I have clients that have raved about it. So I'm going to talk about their experience and also talk about why I think if it works for you, why I think it works for you. Um, when I did it, so I'm like a, a real ritual person and my ritual is coffee. I'm so hardcore about coffee. I love it. It's like my thing. It gets me so excited in the morning. I, I like it's, there, it's a very specific way. I do the pour over. I blend in the coconut oil. It's like a, it's a whole meditative thing. It's and so true. Every time you say, I think I'm going to lay off the coffee, I'm like, I give it two weeks. Yeah, you're like, not going to last. <laughs> not going to last. So the whole, the whole shtick with celery juice is you're supposed to drink it first thing in the morning on an empty stomach. And so I had to give up coffee in order to do that. And I was that that for me is why it wasn't sustainable because I just missed out on my special like ritual in the morning and drinking cold celery juice is not the same thing as drinking a hot mug of coffee. So for that reason only, I was just like, nah. And also, if you know, if you're juicing stuff, juicing is kind of a hass 
because you just have to, you know, clean the the juicer every time. And it's like a whole big thing. Um, but I have a client with who has had chronic constipation. I'm talking for years and years and years. And she implemented celery juice and it changed everything for her. I mean, she's like, it's life changing for me. Um, more energy. She poops every single day. Before, she was going like days and days without pooping. And it was just like kickstarted everything. And when she stops drinking the celery juice, it, it her constipation returns, her energy levels drop. So it really like, wow. k- yeah, clicks everything to high gear for her. Her experience was so profound that I start I started recommending it to people with chronic constipation as like something to try. Um, so I do think there's merit to the whole thing. Here's why I think it works. I, it, what it does is it boosts your own production of hydrochloric acid in your stomach. So we have stomach acid, um, and a lot of us are walking around with low stomach acid for a number of different reasons, our diet, chronic stress, many reasons that cause low stomach acid. And if you don't have enough stomach acid, you're not able, like, digestion, I say it all the time, is a top-down process. So if something's not working in your stomach, it's not going to work at the the level of the pancreas. It's not going to work at your small intestine. It's not going to work in your colon. You know, your pooping is going to be off. You're not going to release enough digestive enzymes. You're not going to be able to break down your protein without hydrochloric acid. Some minerals need hydrochloric acid for absorption in your stomach, like iron, for example. So you run the risk of anemia if you don't have enough hydrochloric acid. So basically, if you don't have enough HCL in your stomach, all hell breaks loose. HCL, or the acidity of our stomach, is really our body's first line of defense against the things that are coming in with food. So if you think about it, when we eat, we're bringing the outside world in, right? And so there's a lot of potential risk for stuff to come in on the food that we eat, bacteria, viruses, uh, uh, other type of pathogens. And so ideally, once that stuff hits the very acidic environment of the stomach, it's ideally killed off. So if we don't have that acidity, then things aren't being killed off appropriately. They're going to get down into the small intestine. We have SIBO, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. We have dysbiosis lower down in the the intestine. So it's really a real, it's like a pretty big deal. I love to use this example. A recent client of mine was on a PPI, proton pump inhibitor, which are drugs that you go on for acid, acid reflux. She was on it for five, four or five years. And she had a really hard time putting on uh, muscle mass. So she, um, she's an athlete, a triathlete, and wasn't really able to put on muscle. She stopped the PPI. And I think it was like within a month she had, without changing her diet, without changing her exercise, she had put on like 10 pounds of muscle or something crazy like that. Wow. And it's, isn't that nuts? It's because yeah. she didn't, she wasn't producing stomach acid. So she couldn't, she couldn't break down her, her protein that she was eating. So, I mean, it's a really, really big deal. So if you're running around with low stomach acid, I think, hey, this is a great thing to try. This is like a very natural way to, to boost it up. Um, on top of that, it's rich in electrolytes. So it's got sodium, potassium, other minerals. I mean, celery, that celery has these things, right? So you don't have to juice it to get those benefits, but you just get a more concentrated hit when you do juice it because you can consume, you know, you can juice a whole head of, 
or what is it called a head bushel? I think so. Of yeah. Celery. Yeah. And it's like I don't know, like eight ounces maybe. You know, to eat that, you probably wouldn't sit down and eat a whole ton of it. So you're getting like a a blast of electrolytes. Um, is so, the serving size like? Is that what you what you would do? Is you would do an entire kind of head of celery, and that would give you one serving? Yes, I think so. I think that's the the recommendation from the man, the myth, the legend, medical medium. <laughs> um, I think. Don't quote me on that, but I think that's what it is. I think it's like an eight eight ounces. Um, I will say that if you're ju- if anytime you eat celery, always buy organic because it always shows up in the dirty dozen list. There are like a few veggies that I'm like I will not touch them if they're not organic, and celery is one of them. And, and remember, if when you're juicing it, everything's extra concentrated. So if you are gonna do if you are doing this or you're gonna try it, then make sure that you're doing organic celery. And I say go for it. There's like you don't have anything to lose. It's not gonna hurt you. Um, so, so if you're if you interested don't in have it, a juicer, it. then they recommend you using a blender and then just straining it, straining it that way. Yeah, I've made juice that way before. Um, it's a real bitch to do yeah, that. I'm not. I'm not lie. about. I'm not about that life. You got to use a cheesecloth. I mean, it gets it gets hectic. Yeah. But I don't know. Who knows? If you're into it, try it out. Do that. Do the damn thing. I think it's great just to have an alternative. Um, when you're trying to address a problem, whether it's, you know, you're not able to put on muscle mass or you're constipated, like, why not try it? Um, but I will say, as somebody that doesn't have a juicer, so I am not going to be able to jump on this bandwagon because um, I am not, I have just enough time for making a smoothie in the morning. I'm not going to, not going to do the celery thing. But you also, don't have to feel like you need to manipulate vegetables in order to get their benefits. You know, you don't, you could try this if you have the juicer or if you want to, you know, put in a little elbow grease. Um, but, you know, you also don't have to do it. You can save your money on the juices, the pills, the powders, and just kind of buy like celery and eat it any different way and focus on just keeping, keeping things interesting that way. But that's what I heard about it and what I've read about it is that it's it's you're just getting a concentrated punch of it which I think is pretty cool I mean if you have the equipment might as well yeah and I but I want to circle back to that word you said bandwagon I mean it's it's a it's a very trendy thing right now and so all of the questions that came in is like, should I be doing this? Should I be Mm, doing this? Because we see you know whether it's like everybody you know January it's Whole30, it's keto, it's vegan, it's like everybody's doing the damn thing. And then what happens is we see everybody doing that thing and we're like, oh shoot, I should be doing that, right? Yeah. And so it's the same thing with the celery juice. Like we we sort of feel guilty for not doing it or we think we're doing something wrong if we don't do it. Like you don't have to do this to be healthy, everybody. You could, yeah. if you're interested in it, try it. It's not going to hurt you, but you don't have to do this to be healthy. This is not the thing that's going to save you. This is not like the the panacea is that how you say that word? Never know. Yes. Um, is it? I I I am sure about this one. Nothing. But I mean, that. I mean, like right. everybody's everyone's right. listening is just gonna be like, like I'm gonna take that with a grain of salt. Kyle, who mispronounces something every episode. Uh, well, oh, uh, all right. But yeah, it's so, not yeah. it's not a golden ticket. It's not a cure all, but it's worth trying if you're into it. It's worth trying, especially if you know, you are experiencing some of the digestive stuff that we were talking about, go for it. Go for it. All right. So next up, 
next question. I'll read this one. This is a long one. Okay. Hi, Aaron and Kyle. I'm currently, hey, I'm currently on my second round of binge listening to your podcast this time so I can actually sit down and take notes. Second time around, you I love that. That's, That's hardcore. I'm impressed. That's, do you know that I listened to us in the gym the other day? And I was like, this is... Is this a weird thing that I'm listening to myself? It was like I, I was hanging out with you. I was laughing. I always listen and I always laugh. <laughs> so, you know. <laughs> We're a pair. Okay. Yep. I have a question that you briefly touched on in one episode, but I was hoping you could discuss further. I'm concerned about my water consumption because I'm a flight attendant. I'm obviously always traveling and I solely drink bottled water that's stocked in the plane. Dasani. I try to drink at least 3.5 liters of water a day when I'm flying since flying makes the body dehydrated. I've been seeing a lot of people on social media and Facebook doing pH tests on different types of bottled and tap water. Is there any merit to these tests? Also, people claim that certain types of water like Dasani are actually made with salt to make you thirsty so you'll drink more water. Is this true? If so, what is the effect it's having on your body? I know that drinking bottled water is bad because of the plastic, but that's literally my only option. We might, we might tear that apart. (laughs) (laughs) Warning of what's to come. The metal water bottles don't hold enough water to hold me over, especially on long haul flights. Is there anything I can do to reverse the effects of toxins from the plastic? Thanks so much for what you do. I hope I can meet both of you one day. Tara Delaney wrote that in. All right, Tara. (laughs) Um, Put on your, put on your air mask. Um, (laughs) See what I, see what I did there? (laughs) Um... (laughs) So I I mean kudos to her because she's obviously like trying to educate herself and be a little bit more aware of kind of what her day day to day habits are. Um so I think that that's good but I also feel like I hope you're not really expecting us to be like here's the best bottled water you can drink or stuff like that like that's not that's really not the advice that we'll we'll probably give give to you um so the ingredients that are added to the bottled water so this is things like calcium magnesium potassium and they're all different kinds of these um these things and they're naturally found in water. Um, so it's not like we're adding in funky stuff that is coming out of left field. There's things that are already naturally in water. So they're added to bottled water and truly they're supposed to provide such small amounts that it's not really a concern. I would say plastics are way more of a concern here. Don't worry about the pH. The pH, I feel like, is kind of missing the forest for the trees a bit. Let um, me just jump in with the pH because I forgot about this earlier, but um, alkaline water is is a real trend right now. And um, and I didn't – so when I was in Santa Fe uh, for my trip this summer, we were in Whole Foods and I was like – I went to grab a, a, a thing of bottled water and I was grabbing alkaline water because they had it at Whole Foods and Kristen, Kristen Graham, who we've had on the show before, she's the biological dentist. She like slapped it out of my hand. She's like, don't drink that. And so she went to, I forget where she was. It was some seminar um, and a physician was lecturing and it was uh, a German physician who, I don't know why that's important, but I I felt like it mattered in the story she was telling me and um, was like, absolutely do not drink alkaline water because bacteria and pathogens love alkalinity. They grow in alkaline conditions. So you don't want to drink alkaline water. And I asked her to produce a resource 
you know, like where that information came from. She couldn't find it in her notes, but then she heard it from another source like later on. So I don't know. I'm just throwing that out there for what it's worth. If you're spending extra money on alkaline water, probably don't. Probably don't. All right. Yeah. I heard the reverse osmosis because I, a few years ago, once I started buying, um, filling up the big jugs of water at Whole Foods, I was doing the alkaline because again, I was, I had heard that that was kind of the way to go. And then I don't know what caused me to do this one day. I was like, eh, maybe I'll just look into this this one on my own because um, it is more expensive. And everything was like reverse osmosis is fine. Like you do not need the alkaline. So I just made the switch. Um, but yeah, I feel like the plastics here are the issue um, on so many different levels. The impact that all the bottled water is having on our environment, the oceans, our health, the climate. I mean, I'm not trying to be like a Debbie Downer here, but it's just, I would, I would, (laughs) yeah, I would honestly encourage her to try not to think that bottled water is her only option. Um, I agree that most of the standard bottled water, like the metal uh, water bottles are going to be too small, especially if you're traveling all day. But I really don't think that those are your only options. So I did some poking around and found a few options. Um, So Berkey water filters, we've talked about them on the show before. Erin has one. They're like the Cadillac of water filters. Um, and they have a 22 ounce sport bottle. It's BPA, BPS free. There's a filter inside the bottle. So this is a good option for anyone that's traveling. Um, and there's kind of questionable or substandard water sources. You'll get 160 refills, which is 25 gallons before you need to replace the filter. The bottle's 35 bucks. The replacement filter's 20. It's 22 ounces. So this is not going to be enough for her, but it's a good thing um, if you really don't have access to um, to, to water throughout the day. Um, and then the other thing was Hydro Flask. We've talked about that brand before, and they have huge um, jugs that they have one that is 3.8 liters, 128 ounces. So this, I feel like would be the best option. This is what I would do. It has like the, you know, the heavy duty handle. You can just carry it around. Um, it seems like you're kind of, you're, you're, you're on the plane. So bring it on the plane, leave it there. You have it to fill up, um, to pour your water out from, you know, to keep the great temperature. It'll eliminate all the waste and concern about plastics. They have all the water refills on the terminals now. So I don't know how often she's able to kind of get off of the plane and, and be in the terminals, but you have the dispensers there to fill fill it up. That kind of thing I feel like you'd have forever. Yeah. And if she's trying to get three and a half liters, that would, that'll do the, That's the 3. job. That's 3.8. It's all, it's done. You go in to work with it and you're just, you're, you're good. The other option, and this might be kind of out of left field, but I honestly was really thinking about this a lot and trying to think of creative ways to get her to ditch the plastic bottles. And a camelback might be another option. I'm not... <laughs> Every time I see a flight attendant cruising by with a backpack, like there's in the little tube in their mouth. (laughs) Okay, so I mean, sure, I love it. That's a great idea, Kyle. You wouldn't use it like (laughs) while you're like coffee, tea. (laughs) But 
shit. No, it's a um, good idea. That's a good I, idea. Every time I see flight attendants, they always have the the carry-ons. They're not carrying a backpack, so I'm like, ah, your back's free. Put on a camel back. Like, call it a day. Refill it at the terminals. Ultra hydrated flight attendant. <laughs> Ultra <laughs> Whenever you need to pull like a Kevin McAllister, you are hydrated and ready to go. Um, <laughs> crap. The other thing that I thought of was, I don't know how long that she's been doing this for, um, but definitely check out episode 15. That was all about detox. I think it's important to... Be honest about your exposure, get lab work, um, pay attention to any symptoms that you might have or be developing if you feel like, you know, this weird thing, you have fatigue, you have brain fog, you're having difficulty um, losing weight. You know, there's so many things that can happen from you just kind of hitting your threshold of toxin exposure. And you can do this if you feel like you're having ongoing exposure, then then have ongoing support with supplements or sleep, sauna, exercise, you know, to help address the exposure that you've already had. And then the exposure that you're going to continue to have because it's the modern world. The last thing I'll say about this is try not to get overwhelmed. I know sometimes when the topic of plastics come up, it just can be very overwhelming for people. They look at their Tupperware, um, you know, drawer. They look at their Saran wrap and the Ziploc bags, the bottled waters, like e- even like the the Brita filter. I mean, like there's so much plastic, the stuff that your food is coming into. So just like start somewhere. And for her, I would say the drinking water is the obvious place to start. That seems to be the priority. And then look at where else you're getting the plastic exposure. What else can you swap out to stop, you know, um, stop the, the toxins from kind of continuing to pile up? Yeah, I, it's so true about, about the starting small. I did a whole like three hour lecture on detoxification and detox pathways. And the biggest takeaway people had was like, I switched to glass containers in my kitchen. (laughs) Uh, So huge. That's huge. Because imagine if like everybody did that. That's dynamite. Um, We do have this weird universal love affair with plastic. And I think we've all collectively told ourselves that it's impossible to live without plastic. And I know, I know that people consider me the extremist because I don't let my daughter use plastic. We try to be a very low plastic household. I try not to buy food in plastic. Um, We don't use any plastic cups or plates. Like Hattie's never had a plastic sippy cup. Like I just don't do that. We don't use saran wrap. We don't use plastic water bottles. It's like we all want to throw our hands up at the sky and like shake our fists at the sky and say like, why is chronic disease the norm? And like, why is there so much cancer and illness and people are dying and people are getting sick and what's going on? But we don't want to change our lives or inconvenience ourselves and we can't have it both ways like this is where my tough love comes in like we can't have healthy bodies if we're implementing unhealthy practices on the reg i always giggle about this i think about this all the time so do you remember when i posted this is like years ago probably like four years ago when i posted my deodorant recipe to the blog yes so people would always be like do you have any recommendations for like healthy 
skincare or deodorant. I, I would be like, yeah, I make my own. And people are like, I don't have time to make my own. I'm like, okay. And then I started, I found Beauty Counter. And so when people would ask me, I'd be like, yes, there's this amazing company called Beauty Counter. And people would be like, it's too expensive. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. Like, stop uh, asking me for advice. Go use your poison. I have, I'm all out of ideas. Yep. Right. It's like, if you're looking for an excuse not to do something, you'll always find that excuse. There will always be an excuse. And change is super hard. Building new habits is hard. Trying to form new patterns, it's hard. If it was easy, we'd all do it. And I think sometimes when we're talking about a big overarching thing like our plastic use, you may have to be prepared to make some sort of sacrifice, whether that's money or time or convenience, in order to change habits. You know what I mean? And yep. people are not always willing to do that. So I don't know. Plastic is one of those things that I that I just get kind of crazy about. Um, a recent study, this is super gross, took stool samples from eight people in eight different countries. And every single stool sample that they tested had plastic in it. And the plastic, um, the plastic components um, or like the chemicals that they found were components of plastic water bottles. So there's absolutely no question the plastic that you are interacting with in your day-to-day life is 100% getting into your body. It's getting all the way to your poop. It's going through every freaking yep. orifice of your body. It's happening. And plastic and the the plasticizers, the stuff in plastic, it impacts our hormones. They're, you know, they're considered endocrine disruptors. They're carcinogenic. There's, um, they're considered obesogens. So they're chemicals that actually make us fat. So I feel like sometimes if I can't um, appeal to somebody's sense of like civic duty to keep our planet clean or mm-hmm. to their, their, yes. their health, let's just appeal to their vanity. So plastic's making you fat. Like, um, so anyway, it's it's a really, really something to take a long, hard look at. And, you know, we don't mean to, like, make Tara the poor, you know, like the poor person to, like, t- you know, take the brunt of this. We're, we're speaking to everybody collectively. But it's that I, it's that mentality that I have literally no other option. It's like, you literally do. You literally do. So I feel like, she, I feel like they're... You know, and you see this a lot. Um, we both see this a lot with patients. Some sometimes somebody wants hand holding. Sometimes other people want just the hard truth. Um, and that's why kinda, they come to me. <laughs> I kind of feel like. I mean, I wonder if that's kind of what she was asking for. Because if you've listened to the show before, I think you know that that would probably be the the answer that we would give. I wonder if she's just kind of like, I need needed that final push of like, okay, I can't keep making an excuse for this. I have to change. Or she's like, unsubscribe. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> but also to circle back around, you kind of touched upon this. She did ask for ways to get the plastics out. I mean, we're, we even if we avoid it as much as we can, we're still in contact with it. Um, so... I think it's a smart practice to have to support detox exactly like you were saying. And I will say that sauna isn't or any type of sweating, not just sauna, but any type of sweating is an effective way to get plastics out of your body. Certain um, I'm going to butcher this. I knew I knew like the hard and fast fact at one point, but there's certain plastic constituents that have been found in sweat and not in blood and urine, meaning that that is the only way that your body gets rid of it is by sweating it out. So make sure you're actively getting your sweat on, whether it's through hot yoga or vigorous enough exercise to produce the sweat or sauna, infrared sauna, 
all that good stuff is very important. And it's important to um, to, to just uh, support your circulation. If you're, you know, if you're flying all the time, you want to make sure that you're supporting your circulation. So that's what I have to say about that. I like it. Okay. All right. Next one. You want to read it? Yeah. Alice Delosier? Delo- Delo- Delosier? That looks right. That yeah, cool, right. cool. Thoughts on long-term use, seven plus years, of Cascara Sagrada for constipation. Love the pod. I love that you call it a pod, first of all. <laughs> okay, so um, the very, very first, so seven, using a digestive aid for seven years, that's pretty, that's a long time. And I would say, why are you having chronic constipation? That's the very first question here. That's the first thing that we have to explore. Is it because you have slow motility? So things aren't moving appropriately. If that's the case, why? Um, Oftentimes with SIBO, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, we might see motility issues. Um, So, you know, if you've had chronic constipation for seven years and you haven't had any type of gut testing, I would absolutely do that. Absolutely. You want to know what is going on. Um, You know, sometimes there is a miscommunication. We have this thing called the the gut-brain axis. Our gut and our brains communicate with one one another bidirectionally. So that means the gut speaks to the brain and the brain speaks to the gut. And there's a number of different mechanisms for which that happens. One of them is something called the vagus nerve. The vagus nerve is the longest of our cranial nerves. And it's, uh, vagus is the Latin word for wandering. So it it wanders throughout the body. It sort of intermingles with different parts of the body. And if there is, if there's an issue with that, then the brain and the gut are no longer communicating or they're not communicating effectively. And there are some different practices that you can do to stimulate the vagus nerve and to try to get the the brain and the gut communicating with one another. Um, you can just go ahead and, and Google vagus nerve uh stimulators or exercises. One of the ones that I'll have my clients do is gargling. This is from uh, Datis Karasian. And you gargle, you want to gargle um, like three glasses of water a day, full glasses of water. And you want to gargle so hard that it actually makes you tear up. And that's one way to activate the vagus nerve. Other ways are to use a tongue compressor um, and uh, singing or chanting really loudly. That's another way. So go ahead and look that up. And that that could be something to try. I would also, like I said, recommend in getting tests. We talked about hydrochloric acid at the start of the show. That could be another concern because low hydrochloric acid could definitely lead to constipation uh, because you're not telling the pancreas to release digestive enzymes. You're not telling the the gallbladder to release bile appropriately. Nothing else works appropriately. And then stress too. I mean, chronic constipation goes hand in hand with stress. And I see constipation all the time in my practice, way more than diarrhea. Um, And, you know, a lot of us are type A, tightly wound, stressed out ladies, you know, and we get constipated. We do. So to answer the direct question, Cascara Sagrada, this is an herb and I am not an herbalist and I certainly don't pretend to be. So I went ahead and I reached out to Amy from Her Vital Way. We've had her on the show before. She's a wealth of knowledge. And I asked her her thoughts on it um, and they aligned with mine. So I feel comfortable giving this information out. But it's it's too pushing. It's too harsh to use long term. If you're going to use this herb, it should really be only used short term 
because it is a laxative. It has laxative effect. And so it really should only be used in moderation for the, those occasional bouts of constipation. Um, if you use it regularly, you can weaken the body's innate ability to you know to do what it has to do we have um we have something called peristalsis and it's this muscular movement that um that runs from the mouth to the anus mouth to butt uh and it moves it like moves food down it's like this wave-like motion that moves food down and we want to make sure that that's working appropriately and when we start to play around with laxatives to get relief once in a while fine long term not so fine because it can interrupt that peristalsis and that's that's a problem um another risk with relying on laxative laxative because they have that that like purge effect and they they can also tax the liver they can scar the colon because the colon's constantly being uh irritated that's that's the mechanism of laxatives they irritate the colon so your colon evacuates you know that's that and you don't want to be doing that over and over and over again so i would say probably not the best thing to use long term um, with all of that, definitely not for seven years. And I would look into more gentle ways to deal with your with your constipation. Um, but I would also look into like, why are you having constipation in the first place? Yeah, makes sense for sure. I'm I'm curious. Um, I'm curious if her doctor knew about it. Um, sometimes we forget to you know, let our doctor know when we're taking something if, unless it's like a prescription, you know, but I'm curious if her doctor knew about, um, the long-term use. I'm curious if it was long-term frequent use or it was long-term like occasional use, you know, like the, the question was short and sweet. So there's so much more information that I would want to know. Um, but one thing that I, I found just that I thought was interesting, and this is certainly not meant to, you know, be alarming to anyone. It's more just around education. We talked about this when we talked about um, supplements. And so this herb used to be approved by the FDA for an over-the-counter for constipation. But after years, there were some growing concerns about safety and effectiveness. So the FDA gave the manufacturers a chance to submit some data supporting the safety and effectiveness. This happens a lot. And um, the company, like many companies out there, said, well, the cost of us conducting those studies is more than our prof profit margin. So we're not going to comply with that. So in return, what the FDA does is they remove it as an over-the-counter drug and they make it a dietary supplement instead because you don't need to meet the same standards as OTCs do. So it's just um, there I, it, with any herb um, that you're going to be using long term, make sure that you're getting it from a reputable source. Are they doing third party testings? Do they have studies supporting the efficacy and the safety? Are you using it like appropriately? You know, like if something is meant to be used occasionally and you're using it daily, um, you know, then you're you're kind of not using it as intended. So not meant to scare anyone, but it's just so important when you're taking supplements to make sure that they're quality and that they're safe. Yeah. And I think what you said about appropriate use is, is very important too, because it's not just about the safety, but like, are you using this 
in an, an appropriate way. We never, you know, circling back to Amy, one thing that she talks about is like, you, she doesn't want people to be scared of herbs. Like, you know, don't be don't be so scared of herbs that you don't use them, but also have respect for the plant because if they're, yep. if they're powerful enough to help us, they're powerful enough to harm us too. So with something like this, when you're manipulating, you know, how you're going to the bathroom, that's a big deal. Um, so why don't we close out with this, 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 uh, because we're already beyond 30 minutes. But I do want to say, because if we have listeners that are dealing with constipation, I don't want to just tell them what not to do, but give them some ideas to try and to support, especially if you've been relying on laxatives. Um, Bitters, I know we've talked about bitters on the show a bunch. Um, I forget which episode, but I I talked about bitters a lot in in relation to bile production. But they can be very effective and they're way more gentle than using a laxative herb. And a laxative herb, senna falls into this category too. So I know people take senna or they'll drink senna tea, like smooth move tea. Again, totally fine once in a while, but it has, it's a really harsh effect on the colon. So you don't want to be using that long term. And if you're reliant on a stimulant or reliant on a laxative, that tells you that there's a problem and you need to address the problem. And you don't address the problem by throwing more medication at it. That is not addressing the problem. That's just covering up the symptom, right? So uh, when I'm talking about bitters, I'm talking about dandelion, burdock, yellow, dock. Those are all bitters. They have the bitter taste. <gasps> Excuse me. <laughs> I just got so excited. <laughs> I get so jacked up talking about this stuff that I just like choked. Okay, uh, settle down. Uh, Gaia Herbs makes something called Swedish bitters, and that's that's one that I recommend a lot. That's a good brand. That's what but my doctor had me do, gurgle with Swedish bitters before meals. And why did she have you gurgle, Kyle? Um, she wanted my biggest nerve to kind of snap back into it. But, ooh, and I did ooh. it. I did it for a while, but then I was just like, my salads taste really bad. Why? (laughs) Because you were doing it beforehand? I was. I was doing it right beforehand. And honestly, it wasn't the taste. It was um, the fact that my coworkers really didn't want me to do it anymore. (laughs) Sick. You're so sick. (laughs) Hey, Clara. (laughs) Do that in private, you weirdo. Yeah, it was gross. (laughs) Well, they don't. I will say, because I I take bitters. They don't, you don't, you take them and then you move on. They don't like monopolize the taste of your meal um but here's the thing that i learned from amy because the way that i was taking them and even the way that i was dosing them for my clients was so much smaller in such smaller doses than what she what she talks about and again she's the herbalist she's trained in this i bow to her when it comes to herbs so she recommends one dropper full in one ounce of water at least three times a day so that's like a baseline baseline one drop three times a day um that's interesting that was definitely less than what i was doing so that's that's interesting i wonder if i was just overdoing it number one and then um she says you can take them up to six times a day and you can double the dose in the evening if you're not seeing results and that was something that she when we were like we taught we geek out on this stuff all the time that's something that she said to me it's she said take bitters at night to stimulate digestion for a poop in the morning. And I was like, huh, I had never heard that recommendation before. So, and she also says you have to be really patient as your body gets used to this change because herbs are not prescription medications and we're all so hardwired to take the pill and get the immediate result that when we start to incorporate more gentle herbs into our routine, we're like, it's not working, you know? Like, 
the American way. <laughs> it's not yep. working. Completely. Um, but give it time. So like ramp up. If you're not noticing it, the effect that you're you're after, ramp up the dose. These these are really safe, so you can ramp them up, and then um, take them at night as well, and just go for a long period of time. Like just just do it until you notice the difference. And the the cool thing about bitters is that they're also very very nourishing for the liver. So they're going to support detoxification. They're going to pr- uh, support bile synthesis. So it's not just about. Um, you know, there's many mechanisms of their action. Uh, you could also consider adding a bulking agent, so to something that's actually going to bulk up the stool, like a prebiotic, um, chicory, fennel. These are all um, all the good ideas. You can throw those. You can have drink them as tea. You can put them in smoothies. Um, and then obviously make sure you're drinking of plenty of water, um, especially if you're doing fibers, bulking fibers, because like bulking fibers swell. That's one of their mechanisms of action. So you need plenty of water to to allow that to happen. Um, and then some things that I use in my practice for chronic constipation, again, you want to make sure you're looking for an infection because if there's an infection that's causing uh, GI upset that's leading to the constipation, it's not going to go away until you address the infection. So make sure you're doing that. Deep breathing and like really proper breathing, like Google it or YouTube it. Figure out how to appropriately breathe where you're relaxing your pelvic floor, you're relaxing your belly, like things are actually relaxing and expanding. That can be really helpful if you do a practice like five minutes a day. Um, Prokinetics can be very helpful if you have motility issues, so they just move things along. Um, You can get a prescription prokinetic. I like to use Trifala. It, as a uh, prokinetic, it's very gentle. It's a combination of Ayurvedic herbs. I have wild success with that. I've used that on and off for years. Um, I take three, usually th- my 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 special dose is three capsules um, at dinner time, and that can be really helpful. So you could try that out. I think I mentioned this already. Uh, hydrolyzed guar gum. Did I mention that? I don't even Mm-mm, know. That's no. a prebiotic. That that's pretty gentle. Um, and then there are specific strains of probiotics that can be really helpful to stimulate um, to stimulate bowel movements. But so I would try probiotics if you haven't done that. And then finally, magnesium citrate. That's like actually the first place yep. that I start for people. Magnesium citrate pulls water into the stool, so that can be can give you really good relief. I actually like I, I you know it's easy to find magnesium calm um, that powder, and you just mix it yeah. with water. That tastes it, good. It does taste good. Don't get the unflavored because it does not taste good. It oh, does not no. taste good. No. Um, and then make sure they now they have different ones. Like some have melatonin, some have calcium. Make sure you're just getting the straight magnesium citrate, and you can you can ramp up the dose. I think a dose like the a teaspoon of that is maybe 250 milligrams. You can go higher with magnesium citrate. Like go till you like you can go up to 400, even 800. Go till you experience relief. If you're getting higher than 800 and you're not experiencing relief, then try something else but um those are those are kind of my my tried and true uh tips tips and tricks yeah tried and true for poo i like it um all right 46 minutes so not pretty good but pretty good less than an hour so all right we're improving we will be back in a couple of weeks with another listener question because you guys had more questions and we do want to answer them so until then adios 
Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Functional Nutrition Podcast. If you'd like to submit a question to the show, fill out the contact form at erinholthealth.com. If you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review in iTunes. Take care of you.